Lord Jesus. Oh, what a blessing it is. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. And as we get in unity with the Lord, what a blessing it is. On every Sunday morning. I believe every Sunday is Super Sunday. And some churches just believe that once in a great while, every three, four months or so, you put on Super Sunday. Which means you get a bunch of special things and special singing. We had something special here last night. And thank you for those that uh, helped prepare that. Um, all of those that put work into that. Sarah, thank you for leading that last night. And, uh, and all the kids had a good time. And, and all of the, uh, the big kids had a good time. And if you like soup, you had a good time. I mean, we had soup. There was, there was so much. I tried about three or four, and, and I was full. So I didn't get to try everybody's. But thank you, ladies, for participating in that and, uh, and just coming together and, and being there yesterday and the kids having a good time. And so we just appreciate it. We like things like that around here. We like fellowship. This church does like fellowship. Can you say amen to that? Yeah, we have a great time in fellowship. And we have a great time in serving Jesus, too. Uh, we come, we don't come just for fellowship. Fellowship is a, it's just one of those side blessings. But uh, we come to fellowship with the Lord and his, and his word this morning. Would you turn your Bibles, if you haven't already memorized this portion of Scripture, and I'm going to take it one more time, Philippians, the second chapter, and I want to read it just one more time. And uh, let it soak in a little bit this morning because we have, we've gone over several things in here, mainly talking about let this mind be in you. And so we have covered this pretty, pretty well. But uh, we've got just one more step this morning. I feel like that uh, the Lord would just lead us in. And so beginning at verse 5, and we'll read again, for let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus who, subsisting in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and having become in the likeness of men. And found, uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, having become obedient until death. Uh, even the death of a cross. In verse 9, therefore also, that's what I'm going to preach about this morning, therefore also. God highly exalted him, gave him a name above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those in the earth, and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord into the glory of God the Father. This verse is reverberated. Actually, this verse comes in conjunction with the verse Isaiah 45, 23. Can you get that for me? Isaiah 45, 23, which the old prophet, you know, in speaking of the Lord, 
said basically the same thing. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear or confess. And Paul, knowing the Old Testament well, brings that scripture up to life to where we're at. And it's not just worshiping an old God in an old system and every knee bowing in an old system, but it is very, very relevant and very current and updated to right now. And I think every knee doesn't just mean those that are currently present, those that are gone by, but every knee that comes into existence will bow at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Seems like every administration would like that. Uh, we've got a mess going on right now. And they're trying to get everybody to conform, conform and, and really to bow to the system of doing. But over it all, when it all ends, every knee is going to bow at the name of Jesus. They're going to they're gonna bow and confess. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you with your word. Such a blessing we have preached out of this book of Philippians here where Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. And such glorious revelation is there. We thank you for, I hope that we have done just a little justice to preaching your word. But we ask you this morning that you want to encourage us again that your word is right, it's good, it's pure, your way is right. Lord, our way always runs into to problems, but your way is right. We ask you that we follow your way, that we'll take it to our heart, and that you will bless it in our life, cause it to be part of our life. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Therefore, therefore, also, Is there a reward for actions? So I'm going to preach this morning a little bit about what some people might call a works gospel. Might call it a works gospel. But is there reward for our actions? Is this thing just about faith? Or is it about faith coupled with action? That's a good question. There's a lot of things being preached and taught and and I'll tell you what, whatever your notion is, you can find somebody somewhere preaching it. You look hard enough, far enough, and the reason why you're here this morning is because we try and preach a certain thing, other people preach a certain thing, and they have a congregation of people that believe that. But you believe this morning what we teach and preach out of the Word of God and try and stay as close as we can. But... Is there a reward for our actions? In physics, Newton's third law of motion, it says this, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Simply put, every action has a reaction. It's the law of motion. Uh, Newton's the guy that come up with a lot of laws about gravity and different things, and and brilliant man, brilliant man, and, and a lot of things that we know right now are still set in his theories, 
And he was right about a lot of things, and I believe that he was right about this. That every action has a reaction. And I know that he was talking about the physical and, and physics. That everything that you do, every movement that you make has a reaction to it. And so, uh, I mean, you can run and there, there's, there's some kind of a, an, an action to that. Uh, there is gravity that holds you back. Otherwise, we could run 100 miles an hour. We could run as fast as the cars if there was nothing that held us back. But there is a reaction to our running. It reacts on us physically. It reacts on us around us. But I believe even further than that, that there is nothing that is neutral. I don't think there's anything that doesn't have some effect. Everything has an effect. Everything you do, every action you make, every word that you speak has some kind of, of an effect. Now, that's, you know, on a scale of, of a whole lot of effect to very, very little effect. But nothing really is just neutral. Nothing just doesn't have any effect whatsoever. There's a doctrine of the finished work of Christ that I need to talk about this morning. It's being sold to gullible, lazy, Christian, so-called Christian people, churchgoers. And it says this, that Jesus did it all, so I have no action obligations at all. None. He did it all. And I'm resting in the finished work of Christ. Well, that sounds good. It sounds like something that looks like faith to me. My faith is, is that Jesus did it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I believe that with all of my heart. I could not wash my sins away. And no, we cannot earn salvation. But we must be totally invested into it. I think it's James that says, by faith alone, only by faith, my faith is dead if there are no works in it. And we can look at other areas in the Scripture that we walk by faith and not by sight, that we don't earn salvation. It's done by faith in grace, and we understand that part. But James brings out the idea that, that unless you are totally invested into this thing called salvation, then it's not just a prayer. It's not just come down one time, ask the Lord to be your Savior, and then go on your merry way and do what you want to do and act how you want to act and feel like there, there is no reaction to your action because the Lord's just going to cover all of that for me. And I think that's a foolish way to observe the Scripture. But I believe this, that, that what Paul said, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you were not a part of salvation, there couldn't be any way for you to work it out. If Jesus did it all and we're resting in his finished work, then we don't need to do anything. And there again, we can rest in the finished work of Jesus. Don't worry about it. You don't need to do a thing. You don't, it doesn't matter how you see it, what you do, what you say, where you go. Listen, it's all done, the finished work of Christ. But I believe that every action has a reaction. 
So I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, that, that God would stir us to believe that, first of all, we must believe. You can't come to God unless you believe that He is. And that He is, somebody say it, a rewarder. He's a rewarder of everybody. He treats everybody the same. God wouldn't treat anybody different. He just treats everybody just all the No, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that would say to me, and I'm going to have to do some converse things this morning, that would say to me that he is not a rewarder of them who do not diligently seek him. Is that fair to say? If on one side you have him as a reward of those that diligently seek him, on this side those that do not seek him diligently, does he reward them the same as he does those who diligently seek him? My answer is just simply no. I don't think it has anything to do with his love. Does God love us? God loved you while you were a sinner. God loved you while you were just nothing but a rascal. Otherwise, none of us would be here this morning without the love of God. And he loved us. And he gave to us an opportunity to find him and to know salvation in Christ Jesus. He loved us that much. But it's not a love that overlooks. It's not a love that says there is no recompense for what we do, that there is no reward for what we do. I believe every action deserves a reaction. Come on and say amen. And it's so common with us. I mean, you can't react with people. You can't have relationship with people unless you believe that the things that you say to them are going to cause a reaction. There's a lot of people just say anything they want. Well, you know how I am. I just say whatever I want. Well, the problem with that is the people you're talking to, they are going to react in a certain way uh, based on how you have acted to them. And say, well, God's love, you know, it's just not reciprocal. He just loves. No, God's love is reciprocal. If you love him, he loves you back. If you will, if you will adhere to him, then then that's where God will react in kind to you. Listen, obedience is a verb, an action word. And it's, it's a requirement to those who follow Christ Jesus. Obedience is an action. Well, I just believe, you know, I just believe that, that, that I'm good enough and, and that things are good. I believe that. I believe God is just going to say it and claim it and that's it. No, there's, there's this thing called obedience and you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. You either obey or don't obey. Jesus said there were two boys that their father needed them to go out in the field and work. He must have been short that day and he didn't. His servants weren't enough. The, the crop had to come in. He asked his boys to go out in the field and work. And one of them said, yes, Father, I'm going to go right out there. I'll get to work. And the other one said, no, I don't want to. Have you ever had your children say, I don't want to? That's, that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's maybe they're just saying tenderly. They're saying, no, I'm not going to do it. But the one son who said he was going, he changed his mind. It didn't go. 
The other son who said, I don't want to, he regrouped that and rethought it, and he went out in the field and worked. Now, who did the will of the father? Who did the will? It was the one who was obedient. It wasn't the one who said yes. It was the one who was obedient. A lot of times we'll get in church, we'll get the Word of God in front of us, and we'll hear the Word of God, and we'll say yes to it, yes, and, and, and then not do anything about it. And then others will hear the Word of God and say, no, I, I'm not going to do that. But then later the Lord begins to deal with their spirit, and they begin to do the Word of God. Who does the will of the Father? Obedience is an action word. As servants, we can please or displease the Lord. Oh, man, I'll tell you, this, I, I'm, I'm going to have to dig into some, plow some, some clods up here this morning. We've got so much th- that we think about these kind of things, so many, so many preconceived notions and ideas, is that God's love just overrides all that kind of stuff. That I please the Lord only because God looks at the blood of Jesus Christ and that's the pleasure of the Lord in my life. Yes, but as a Christian person, you can please or displease the Lord. Do you understand that? That you can displease the Lord. Be ye transformed, Romans 12, 2, by the renewing of your mind in order to prove by you what is the will of God? The good, the perf- or the uh, the good, the, ex- the pleasing, and the perfect. So I want to look at this just for a minute because there's a good will of God in our life. We're not doing anything bad. We're not uh, you know going out and living in sin. And, and things, are, things are okay, and we're doing all right, and we're in the good will of God. But that's not the pleasing will. See, I can love the Lord and, and forget today not to pray, and, and, I, and I didn't read His Word, and I really, you know, I got cluttered up with different things. I'm still, I'm still good. I'm good. Somebody said, how are you doing? I'm doing good. But then there's a pleasing I think King James calls it an acceptable. It's a pleasing will of God. In other words, God expects some things out of me. Let's just, let's just put it this way. No, I don't think I'll go to church today. I think I'll go out and have a picnic. I think I'll run up to the lake and catch some fish. Hey, catching fish is great. I mean, are you still good? Yeah, I think you're good. You're not lost. You're not, you're not living in sin. But what would be pleasing for our life is to come in his house and lift up our hands and bless him. And then there's the perfect will of God. Isn't this where we're all trying to get, the perfect will of God? I just, just really, I just want to know your perfect will for my life. Lord, what is your perfect will? And, you know, things change and happen, and we're trying to figure it out. And, and Lord, if this happens, that's your will. If that happens, and we're trying to get into the perfect will of God. And I just believe the perfect will of God is the knowledge that you have in Christ Jesus, walking it out, living it out, blessing his name, taking every day and just living that day as a Christian man or woman, blessing the Lord. That is the perfect will of God in our life. 
but it is an action. Do you see the difference between the good, the acceptable or pleasing, and the perfect? It's an action in our life. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to. You could lay in bed all day long if you want to. And you don't have to do a thing. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you can get by that way. But life isn't like that. Neither is the Christian life. The Christian life is a pursuit after the Lord. It's a pursuit after his things. It's a pursuit after righteousness. So we don't just sit by the side and say, I believe, and that's good enough. No, I am pursuing after the things of God. So I might know the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Can the church say amen right there? So in John, the third chapter, first John, the third chapter, twenty-second verse, it says this: "Whatever we ask, we receive from Him." I love that part, and there's a lot of people who do do love that part. Whatever I ask, I'm going to get. Isn't that awesome? I mean, how much better can you do than that? Who promises more than that? Even Buddha and Muhammad don't promise that much. That whatever, whatever I ask, I'm going to receive. Oh, but wait a minute. The verse isn't over yet. Because we keep his commandments and we do the things pleasing before him. So the idea of, of just say it and, and grab it and blab it and, and claim it, that doesn't work, right? Because you don't have the things that you ask of him because you're pleasing yourself. Doesn't, it, doesn't James go into that? James said, we pray and we don't get it. Why don't we get it? Because we're trying to heap it upon our own lust. And I don't mean like sensual lust. This is, this is lust like lust for things, lust for my own stuff or whatever. And we pray about that, and the Lord doesn't give it to us. And, and let me tell you why. It's because you're not doing the things that are pleasing him. Or let's put it this way. With your prayer, your prayer isn't the intent of pleasing him. Your prayer is the intent, intent of pleasing you. So sometimes the Lord will come by and bless us anyway. Can you say amen? I've seen the Lord bless even though, you know, I, I, I have to look back and say, God, you you blessed me, you blessed me. I should have gone a little bit different direction there. I should have been more attentive. I should have been more obedient, but you did bless me anyway. But when you see the pleasure of God, the pleasure of God falls upon the people who are pleasing him. Let's look at our family. Let's look at our children real quick. And so we always, if you have at least three children like I did, you have the strong-minded one or two, sometimes three if you're lucky. And you usually have one of them who will always agree and not do it. And then you always have that one who is pretty much agreeable. Now, Rodney, Rodney was a tough nut to crack. But we cracked him. You know, that's a good thing. And he's a good man. He's a good man. Heather... Was all I go to correct Heather, and she'd be bawling tears rolling off her cheeks, and Dad, I'll never do it again ever. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'll never do it again. And how do you spank a person that's doing that? 
And uh, so she is what she is. Amen. And so, but the Lord looks at us, and we're his children. We're his children. And some of us are tough. Some of us, some of us were just ground in our own way. It's just so hard for God to kind of move us out of our, you know, it, it's like Christians sometimes they are like concrete. They're all mixed up and set in their way. And it's just hard for God to get the jackhammer and to bust that loose in us so that, so that he can really kind of make us in a different direction. But we have those things that we ask of him because we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Say, so, well, pastor, that's, you know, you're, you're getting out there. No, you're going to have to talk to John. He's the one that wrote it. I'm just reading it this morning. And then Paul says this, walk worthy. You ever think about that? How many's read that? I don't know if you've read the New Testament. You have read that. Walk worthy of your calling. Somebody help me with that right there. Walk worthy of your calling. What does that mean? I'm resting in Jesus' finished work. Bingo. No, I'm getting up and I'm walking. I'm walking today, and I'm not just walking. I'm walking worthy of being a Christian. That's your calling. Your calling isn't that you're, you're, a, you're a pastor or, or you're a prophet of some kind. You're a great person of God. That, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about walk worthy of being a child of God. Walk worthy of being a servant of God. And so if you need to be instructed to walk worthy, then there must be a walk that isn't worthy. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, first verse, Colossians 1 and 10, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 12. Each one of these places, Paul says, to walk worthy, walk worthy. Listen, it is imperative that you and I take up our cross and follow Jesus. Walk worthy before him. And I've said this years ago. I continue to say it. I will say it probably until I'm done preaching whatsoever. That Jesus bore his cross, but he will not carry yours. And I would offend some people. You know, the footsteps in the sand, right? How many have that poem, the footsteps in the sand, you know? And it's good. It's a good thought. It's a good idea. You know, I saw the, 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 the two uh, prints, two people walk along in the sand. You can see the prints. And then suddenly there was just one print. And, and uh, somebody said, well, what happened? is that Jesus began to carry that person. And that's good. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But you're going to take up your cross, and you're going to follow Jesus. He's not doing your work. Boy, I almost got an amen right there. He's not going to do your work for you. So walk worthy. No, I don't have to walk worthy. The Lord's going to walk worthy for me. No, he's not. He's going to expect you to take the action and incentive, incentive of your own self to walk what is worthy of being a Christian man or a woman in this world today. And so your walk, your prayers, your service, your obedience, your transformed mind are not satisfied by believing in a finished work. I believe in the finished work of Jesus. I can't forgive one of my sins. Can you say amen right there? 
I believe in that work. But I also believe that God has called us to walk worthy before him. Now, with righteous living, this is the good part. With righteous living comes great reward. And I know we don't preach too much about reward. I, I, I think it's reward enough. I mean, Andrew Crouch, he wrote that song, It's Been Worth Just Knowing the Lord in My Life. I was living in a world of darkness, and he came along, came along and brought me the light. It's been worth just serving Jesus. But there is something beyond that. There is reward. And the things that we do righteously, there is reward. There is blessing. Matthew, the fifth chapter, being blessed, or we call it the Beatitudes, but really it's the blessings. It's not just an attitude. It's a blessing. The blessing is a direct result of righteous living. And so let's look at those real quick. Those acting in the following way receive blessing. Those that are humble in spirit. That's the first thing. It says poor in spirit, but it really doesn't mean somebody that's broke. It means that you're humbled down in spirit. You're not haughty and lifted up, but you were humbled in your spirit. Didn't we talk about that's one of the things that, that the Lord put in his mind? He humbled himself. And so there will be a blessing for the person that is humble in spirit. You're humble in spirit, and there's a reward. You do an action, there is a reaction. Those that are walking humbly before him, there is this blessing inside of that. Blessing for those who are grieving. It says mourning, but really grieving over their sin. Not haughty about your sin, not, not bragging about your sin, not boasting about who you are, but you're grieved that you would have sin before your master and, and you are mourning over that. You're going to be blessed because you're going to be comforted and that comfort is that parakletos that's going to come alongside of you and going to bless you and lift you up. But it's an action of yours that you are going to grieve and repent of those things. Blessed are those that the, the uh, King James Version says meek, but really the word meek here means that you are bringing under control your strength is what you're doing. We got kind of a dis disillusion about what meek means. Meek means to just sit there, you know, just kind of, kind of, Really, no, no actions or reactions. You're just kind of making, and whatever happens, whatever will be, will be. That's not what meek means at all. Meek means that you have the strength and you have the ability, but you harness that for a purpose in your life. Those kind of people are going to be blessed. Those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to be blessed. Those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness that continue. I like that do in there because it shows you are continually, hey, we ate at the table of the Lord last Sunday, but guess what? We're here again because we're hungry for the Lord and His righteousness today. And so that hunger and thirst isn't quenched. It goes on. It does. We do hunger and thirst after Him. Blessed are those who are compassionate. You don't have to be compassionate. 
It's an action in your life. It's something that you do. Show compassion. Didn't the Lord show great compassion? At times it was to one individual. At times it was to a crowd of 5,000 people and would feed them before they left. The Lord knew what compassion was about. And blessed are those who are pure in heart. Not everybody qualifies to that. Being pure in heart is an action on your part. So I'm going to leave it up to the Lord. No, you're going to have to act it out. Because I'm telling you that this world around us is awful. This world around us will corrupt your heart in a New York second, New York minute, whatever it is. You've got something in your pocket and in your hand that will keep you corrupted. And about the time you clear your head, something else will pop up. I'm about to the place where I'm done with that mess. The corruption that it leaves us in, I'm, I'm almost a place for a while we won't watch the news anymore. It just gets in your mind. It just drags you down. And you're hoping for good, and, and then it seems like your heart gets cluttered. But the Scripture said, blessed is the man here that keeps a pure heart before God. There's a blessing on the other side of that. Blessed is the peacemaker. Wow. You just know that there's trouble. You just know that, that there's there's things brewing between people or in a church or in a family, and you set out to say, no, we don't need that. We're not going to have that. We're going to make peace here. We're going to run together here. We're get Blessing is in that, but that is an action in your life. Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for their faith in Christ Jesus. All actions, every one of them, these acting in this way are blessed. So if they are blessed for doing these things, then let's look at the converse of this. And this are those who are not blessed. Those who are rich to the flesh and feed the flesh are not blessed. Not from God. Those who are smug, conceited and important, are not, they're not blessed, not from God. Those who are forceful, forcing their way instead of harnessing the power, cutting the power loose in their life, they are not blessed. Those who are full of themselves are not blessed by God. Man, this is really good preaching right here. I told you I was going to have to try and bust some clods up here, and so I'm, I'm at it. I'm at it. I'm laboring. The uncompassionate are not blessed. The hard-hearted are not blessed of God. See, these are all actions. I'm talking about the, the converse action now. Trouble causers are not blessed of God. That may be in your home. That may be on the job. That may be amongst a group of people. Trouble causers don't receive the same blessing as peacemakers. I said, no, God loves you, he treats everybody the same. No, he doesn't. 
He blesses the peacemaker. He puts his blessing upon them. The trouble causer, he does not bless that at all. Can you say amen? He blesses those that are persecuted, but he does not bless those who persecute. Well, how could I as a Christian, how could I persecute? Because of the things that you say? Because of the attack that you levy on other people? Good men trying to do good things for God and people running it down. Those speaking evil against righteous men. God does not bless that action. There is a reward for that, but it's not a blessing. So then let me ask you this. Is the Christian life based on merit? Well, as one that deserves or is entitled to, then I say no. But as one who becomes fit for favor, then I say yes. There is merit in the kingdom of God. Because if those are blessed for what they do, then those also are not blessed for what they do not do or what they do that is not blessing worth, those that need to walk worthy of their calling and those that don't walk worthy of their calling and those that do don't fall under the same blessing, but one is fit for favor. Follow me now. There's some folks in the kingdom of God that are fit for favor. And there's others that will struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle because they are not following what God, what pleases God or those things that make them fit for the favor and blessing of God. And I'm not saying you're not in the kingdom. I'm not saying you're not good. But what I would say is that there is a favor of God and there is a fitness of the favor of God. And that's where I want to be, right in the place where God can bless my life. And that just doesn't mean, you know, financially and in uh, those kind of ways, but it also means that peace and joy and contentment that we have in Christ Jesus, that fulfillment that we have in life. I love life. I love living, but it's not just to chase after money and stuff. I love living this life because it is a good thing to live before my Lord. It's a wonderful thing to know Him this morning. Let me give you some more examples about being fit for favor, all right? Draw near unto me. And there's a reaction to you drawing near to God. You know what it is? I will draw near to you. I've got to take that step first, and then the Lord, you know, Lord, no, you just finish work, Lord, finish work. No, you draw nigh to me. And I'll draw nigh to you. Isn't that amazing? I've come to church at times, and I was tired and crabby and didn't want to hear it, and I went home the same way. But then I've come to church when I said, God, i got to get a hold of you this morning, Lord, and I need to draw nigh unto you. And you know what happened? The Lord drew nigh unto me, and I walked out of that place blessed and overflowing by the Spirit of God. Ask, seek, And knock, each one of these 
is an action on your part. To those that ask, it shall be given. Not to those that don't ask. To those that do ask. To those that seek, they shall find. Well, no, they get the same thing as everybody else. God only gives one room. No, no. Those that seek shall find. Those that knock. And I know some of you here this morning have been knocking. And you've been knocking. Knocking is a repetitious order. It's not one time. That's not a knock. If I hear that on my front door, I'll think that an acorn or something fell on my roof or a walnut. That's not knocking. But if I hear somebody repeatedly knocking, and I believe that God looks at us and says, I'm going to see now how your endurance is. I'm going to see how your faith is. I'm going to see how your trust is. I'm going to leave you at the door for another minute and let you knock on that door, but be assured that they that knock, the door shall be open to them. That's the blessing side. You've got an action, and you've got a reaction by God. Let me tell you another one. I just really want God to bless me. It just, I'm tired of struggling. I'm just so tired of, of the bills come due. I've got more month at the end of my bills instead of, or, or at the end of my money instead of money at the end of the month. And, and it just, it's just hand to mouth, and I'm just so tired of it, and I can't seem to get ahead. And, and then the Lord said, give, give, give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. The obligation is not his. The obligation is yours. If you're going to be fit for his favor, then you give on the other side of that. He said, no, I just, I just want God to bless me. You bless him first. He never comes up short on his blessing. If we put ourselves in the place of fit favor in our life, God does his part. I don't have to do his part. He does his part. Forgive. Is anybody, let's, let's just go, we're at the last day of the month, so let's do this. Has anybody this month had to say, Lord, forgive me of that? Now, I know it's one person. Two, me and you, Mandy. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't, you know. But I just needed God to forgive me. I needed to feel clear. Can you say amen? I need to feel like, Lord, okay. I'm learning here. I'm learning. I'm learning. Keep working on me, Lord. And when you expose it to me, then I say, oh, God, forgive me. Help me with this, Lord. And, and we're going to go further. Can you say amen to that? I know we're all in that same place and condition, but only Mandy and I were willing to raise our hand. But forgive, and you shall be forgiven. The reward of forgiving somebody is that God forgives you. It's awesome. It doesn't say you will be forgiven whether you forgive people or not. In fact, the Lord said that the Father will not forgive your trespasses if you don't forgive your brother's trespass. And that's hard to do sometimes. Can you say amen? It's easy for me to walk to the Lord and say, forgive me. Somebody, I think... Pastor Rodney was talking about this the other night. Just leave your gift right there. It's not doing you any good. You have to forgive first. An action on your part brings a reaction on God's part. No, I want the finished work. Okay, well, get in the finished work. You forgive, and he's going to forgive you. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Take up your cross and follow Jesus, and his promise to that 
is you will have everlasting life. How amazing is that? That I take up that cross, I deny myself, but if you follow him, you'll have everlasting life. See, there's an action on our part. There's a reaction on God's part. Is that we follow him faithfully. You have got eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no greater reward than that. Suffer, suffer with him, and you will reign with him. No, I don't want to suffer. I just want to reign. I want the finished part. I just want to reign. No, suffer with him, and you reign with him. Well, I see, I do see some sort of merit in there. But on the other hand, why do you think the doctrine of unmerited favor is so popular in Christendom? Man, that's easy to preach. If I was preaching that this morning, I think we'd all be up just shouting. God's going to give you this. He's going to give you that. He's going to bless you here. He's going to bless you there. He's going to bless you when you go out and you come back in and you're going to have everything you ever wanted. And this year, I'm telling you this, we're getting ready in, in November of this year. I'm telling you, God's going to move things around this year. Um, they do it all the time on television. It's baloney. It isn't going to happen. You don't qualify. You're not there for the merit. You haven't, you haven't done the merit of what God said you need to do in order to have blessing in your life and you expect the blessing and it isn't going to happen. And that's why they have to keep telling you over and over that it's this year that it's going to happen. But you told me that last year. Well, it didn't happen. It's this year that it's going to happen. It will never happen. Because we have to put ourselves in a place of an action and a reaction. Can you say Amen. I said, man, I haven't really heard that much preaching like that before. It's kind of puts the bee on my back. Oh, well, yeah. It does that. So I want to go to therefore also. Therefore also. If you have your Bibles, I want to read uh, just a little portion of Scripture. In the book of Hebrews, in the first chapter, which Rodney made a uh, reference to this morning. We want to go to the 8th verse and, and just read this down a little bit. Hebrews, the first chapter, the 8th verse. <clears throat> but as to the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Look at this verse addressed to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Because of this, therefore, also. What if he doesn't love righteousness and hate evil? Does it change the equation? If you have a therefore, because of, then it's referring to what is previous. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Because of this, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Or King James says, fellows. 
And you, Lord, at the beginning founded the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands and they will vanish away, but you will continue. And they will become old as a garment and you shall fold them up like a covering and they shall be changed. But you are the same for your years shall not fail. We're talking to the Son now. God has begotten in flesh an only begotten Son. That Son that we're looking at is as just, it, it, we, we, we use the term, He's all flesh and all God. But don't make the mistake to think that he's doing this thing as God. He's doing it as a servant man. See, to think he's doing it as God, it separates us away then. It separates us away. We just do all the finish, put all the finished work on him, call it good. No, he walked it out just like you and I have to walk it out. Somebody say amen right there. And so because he loved righteousness and he eschewed evil, God has anointed him above his fellows. Mm, that says something to me. If you love righteousness and you hate evil and lawlessness, God too is going to anoint you above your fellows. Man, I just don't see it, Pastor. You know, that's just, that's not, God can't love that way. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if we break it down in Scripture. That's exactly what he does. And so now we get to this action and warranted reaction. We're going to go back to the text and close there. But because of, therefore also, uses the word dia and dio. It means because of and through this, it is exact the exact term that needs to be used there. For also shows an action and shows the warranted reaction. Therefore, also. Jesus, it was said of Jesus that he knew the cross was coming. He knew the trouble that was facing him. But for the joy that was set before him, he knew on the other side of it there was reward. Serving the Lord is not without reward. And I, I'm not going to tell you about you, you're going to get all the goodies that you want in this life. I told somebody the other day, I've been broke, flat broke, a number of times and have paid tithes and given to missions and the church all my life and come up stone broke. But God always provides a way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So well, it's just not right. It just, it just. I, I, I did. I thought I qualified myself there, but you're going to go through some things. There's no formula that this morning. I'm not going to tell you that if you give tithes, you're not going to have any financial problems. I'm not going to tell you this morning that if you pray for others, that you're not going to have some sickness yourself. I'm not telling you that. But what I'm telling you is that the faith in Christ Jesus, there is reward. There is joy set 
before you. There's reward on the other side. Your action will, it will in, 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 enact an, a reaction on God's part in your life. I believe what you sow, you are going to reap. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but somewhere down the road, you're going to reap exactly what you sowed. God said, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Let me say to some of you this morning, he said, I haven't, seems like I haven't got the answer for being faithful. I haven't, I thought I had put myself in the place where, where I was going to receive the blessing now. But there's still reward in front of you. Keep on pressing. Come on. Keep on pressing. The reward is there. Keep on pressing. God has not forgot your labors of love. Hey, keep on pressing, God. The game's not over yet. It's not done yet. There's still things down the road yet. God is always going to come through and bless those who are in his blessing package. Just keep qualifying yourself. Just keep staying in the place of the favor of God in your life. Would you do that this morning? Say amen. And so here's the Lord. Here's the Lord. Therefore, also, God highly exalted him. That humble, obedient servant that we read about there several times, Philippians, the second chapter. Humbled, obedient, serving. God exalted him for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and gave to him. Of course, this is the ultimate blessing here. You're not going to receive this one. It gave to him a name that is above every name. Now, you're never going to get there because you're the servant and not the Lord. But let me tell you about him. He's got the highest name of all names. Can you say Amen. Why do you think we put it up on the wall and we begin to sing, put some chords to it and some music to it, and we begin to sing about Jesus being Lord? We did it all morning this morning. Jesus is Lord. If you're going to celebrate a name, there's only one that's highest. Everything else is under that name. There's a name that is above all names. It supersedes all names. It's beyond every name that you can name. And the name is Yeshua. It's Jesus. He is the highest. God has given him a name that's above every name. If you forget everything else, in your life, don't forget the name that's above every name. God has given him a name that at the name of Jesus, at the name Jesus, not the name of Buddha, not the name Muhammad, not the name of the, the Pentecostal preacher, but at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow down, every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. No one else can qualify. No one else can get there. Jesus alone, the only begotten, he is Lord. Can you say amen? And that rolls into the glory of the progenitor of this whole thing. God who, who made this thing happen embodied in Christ Jesus. So let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. It comes with some determination. It comes with some discomfort. It comes in the package with some fleshly denial. 
but that is mine being you that was in Christ Jesus. Look at his reward. Like I said, you're never going to be the Lord. But I'm satisfied. I read that scripture a couple weeks ago. I'm satisfied not to be the Lord, just to be like my Lord. In my action of following him, I also taste of the reward of him. In my action of determination and discomfort and fleshly denial, I become a servant of my Lord. And the the scripture says this, that we will be together with him forever. That's reward. That's reward. See, I'm not looking for a mansion of gold. I don't care anything about that. I'm not looking, you know, the, the Kay and Debbie always want to sing that song, Oh, Them Golden Slippers. I'm not looking for golden slippers, you know. There's an old song that says, Where Jesus is, that makes it heaven for me. That's my reward. My reward is going to be hearing those words, Well done, you good and faithful servant. That's reward enough. Can you say amen? So we keep on going. We keep on pressing. I want to stay in the favor of God. How am I going to do that? Well, just let Jesus do it all. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to press. I'm going to work. I'm going to walk worthy so that I can be in that place of God's blessing in my life. Can the church say amen to that? Say, well, we don't serve him for a reward. Oh, yes, we really do. I don't want to serve the Lord and go to hell. I want to serve the Lord and go to glory with him together. All the saints of God, all of us together with the Lord. All of us to a grand meeting in the air with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm telling you, there is going to be nothing greater, no greater reward than being gathered together with the saints of God in the Lord. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning? God bless you for every action.